Hey, my name's Jeremy, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Shelter Cove. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I firmly believe you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be inspired, but most of all, that God's going to do something through this message that's going to move you closer to Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in. Hey, Shelter Cove friends and family, so glad that you're tuning in with us today. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here, and I'd love to hear where you're joining us from. Maybe it's right here in Modesto, Turlock, Oakdale, Ceres, Tracy. Maybe it's out of the state. Maybe it's out of the country. But here's the reality. I am so glad that you are here today, and I am firmly believing that God has a word that he wants to use to encourage your heart. Again, my name is Jeremy and uh, stoked to have you with us. Uh, we are going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. So make sure you grab your Bibles and uh, meet me there in 1 Kings chapter 19. We're starting a brand new series and it's one word. It's simple. It's tired. And here's why. Because I believe that that word describes so many of us today with everything that's going on in our nation, this coronavirus, political unrest, social unrest, all the repercussions of the coronavirus. I mean, we've got our kids that are now staying home from school, doing distance learning. God help us with that. Uh, we've got sports that have been delayed. We've got restaurants that uh, closed open, closed again. All kinds of stuff, all kinds of challenges, trying to stay up in the news, be informed, not misinformed. It can be absolutely exhausting. So in the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to do what we always do. We're going to turn to the Word of God and ask that God would speak to us in a way that gives us encouragement and refreshment in ways that only He can. Now, I love this story about Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, Elijah is a prophet uh, during the time when Ahab was the king of Israel. His wife, Jezebel, was wicked. She was crazy. Today we'd call her cray-cray, all right? She was a cray-cray woman. And uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, there's this big showdown between Elijah, the prophet of God, and 450 prophets of Baal. There's also 400 other prophets there. And the contest is two altars are out there with sacrifices. And whoever prays and that God answers the call with fire, that's the true God. So the prophets of Baal go first. And what do they do? They start yelling and chanting and praying and calling out to their God and there's no answer. So what do they do? They get to a point where they're literally cutting themselves physically with sharp objects, trying to get the attention of their God. What happens? There's no response. Elijah starts mocking them at one point and says, hey, maybe your God uh, isn't listening. Maybe he's eating. Maybe he's sleeping. He even says, maybe he's using the bathroom. There's no response. And so what does Elijah do when it's his turn? He gets several buckets of water. He has them poured over his sacrifice, his altar, all over the rocks. I mean, this thing is totally flooded. And then he calls out to God. And God answers with fire in a way that doesn't just burn up the sacrifice. It burns up the wood. It burns up the rocks. It sucks up all of the water, revealing that the God of Elijah is the true God of Israel. After that, these prophets of Baal flee, 450 of them. Elijah has them all killed. They're all uh, wiped out. And he has this emotional high. And then everything changes. He goes from this season of great encouragement to being tired and discouraged because the next day, Jezebel, this cray-cray woman, says, hey, 
I want you to die. Because of what you did to all of these prophets, I want you to cease to exist. And this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, which is similar to a rake tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Here's a guy that experienced this massive spiritual victory. And then a day later, he is so discouraged, so down, that he just wants to die. Heavenly Father, in our time together, would you strengthen our hearts? Would you open our hearts? Would you give us uh, life? Would you give us encouragement? Would you inspire us in ways that only you can? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things I have done historically uh, with my kids is that I like to distract them when they're eating so I can steal their french fries. And I've done this ever since they were a young age, and usually it's at Red Robin, McDonald's, we'll be at home, it doesn't matter where it is. But I'll say, hey, look at the squirrel. Hey, look at what the dog's doing. Hey, there's a neighbor. Hey, don't we know that person? And just for a moment, if they can lose focus on their food and get distracted, Boy, I can go in and grab a French fry. Sometimes I'll be able to grab two or three, dip it in the ranch and eat it. But there's somebody that does that even better than me in our family. And he's just like this master magician. And it's not my wife. It's not one of my kids. It's our dog, Norman. Now, here's what happened just the other day. Just the other day, uh, Hallie is sitting at her uh, kitchen table eating a hamburger. She's getting ready to, to dive into that. Now, usually uh, neighbor kids will come to the front door, and when they knock, Norman goes and just barks like crazy, and Hallie will follow, but he always makes a bunch of noise. Well, the other day, Norman ran over to the front door, started barking like crazy. What does Hallie do? She leaves her seat at the table, goes to the front door to open it, thinking her friends are there. She goes, opens the door. Nobody's there. She turns around and looks. And what's Norman doing? He is mowing down Hallie's hamburger. Why? Because in that moment, she lost focus and got distracted. And I think that's exactly what happens to us. And I think that's what happened to Elijah. He got focused on something else besides God. He got distracted and he lost his focus. And before we dive in and look at how we can grow in our encouragement when we're discouraged, I want to look at this downward spiral that Elijah experienced, which I believe is similar to us. How did he get to a point in your notes when he was encouraged to despair? Like what was that downward spiral? And the first thing in your notes that happens to us is we lose focus. We lose focus. We take our focus off of Jesus and we focus on something else. We focus on the coronavirus. We focus on what's going on with our kids. We focus on all the problems that are going on in our world. What did Elijah do? He took his focus off of God and he focused on Jezebel. 
and he got scared and he got tired and he ran for his life. You know, I think of the story of Peter when Peter is in the boat and Jesus calls him out of the water. Peter is literally walking on water and then in a moment he begins to sink. Why? Because he looks at the wind, he looks at the waves, he takes his focus off of Jesus and that's when he begins to sink. So the first thing that happens in our lives is we lose focus. We take our focus off of Jesus. But the second thing that happens is fear enters. Fear begins to to creep into our lives. Why? Because when we focus on something different than Jesus, fear increases and faith decreases. That's just what happened. That's what happened in the life of Elijah. He focuses on Jezebel. Fear creeps into his life. And yet I, I know so many times in the scriptures... The Bible says that that we are not to be afraid. God said to Joshua to be strong and courageous, but if we're not careful, fear can creep into all of our lives. A verse that's powerful um, that I want you to write down, that I believe that can remind you, because when we go to fear quickly, we have to uh, regain focus. And it's Psalm 56, verse 3. When I am afraid... I will trust in you. I love that verse. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 56, verse 3. Somebody write that in the notes. So anytime we get to a point where we lose focus, fear creeps in, we have to refocus on God, put our faith and trust in God. But if that doesn't happen and we hold on to fear, the next thing that happens is that our minds start running. That's the third thing. Our minds start running. Because what did Elijah do? Elijah lost focus on God. Fear crept in. And he literally runs 80 to 100 miles. Why? Because he's afraid. Hopefully he had a good pair of Nikes on, maybe some Brooks. I don't know. But if we're not careful, maybe physically we don't run, but mentally we do. And we can quickly go to the worst case scenario. But what happens if this coronavirus lasts for a long time? What happens if schools don't open for uh, another year? What happens if I lose my job? What happens if the economy tanks? I mean, we can go on and on. What happens if I continue to be single? What happens if I don't find somebody? And our minds can run to worst case scenario. And the reality is this happened to me just this last week. About a week ago, Kelly and I were on our way to the coast with Drew and Hallie and our oldest son, Jake. Jake's 16 years old. He has severe special needs. And we were dropping him off at a respite place where he would get taken care of. They took his temperature before he went in on his forehead and said, Sorry, your son has a temperature. It's 100.3. And it was at that moment my, my heart literally sank into my left foot and thought, wow, like, what are we going to do now? And they said, hold on. Let's wait about 10 minutes and see if, if it re-registers, it changes. They checked in 10 minutes and it was 98.6, which was great. And I thought, man, the worst thing that could happen would be that they would call us and be like, hey, he's developed a fever or something like that. Well, half hour later one of the nurses call us. And I got really nervous just seeing the the phone number on the screen. They wanted to know what his schedule was like. They had a question, something that was very uh, minimal. But I thought in that moment, boy, I'm just gonna be nervous this whole vacation that they're gonna call us and tell us that Jacob has a fever. But in that moment, I thought, I don't wanna live this way. 
I don't want to live with fear. I don't want to let my mind be racing the entire vacation. What if? What if they call us? And what if he's not doing well? What if he develops a fever? If that happens, we'll respond. But I'm not going to let my mind go that way. See, when we lose focus and fear enters and our mind starts running, it doesn't stop there. Because the next thing that happens is we feel exhausted. I mean, here's a guy, Elijah, he was running, he felt exhausted, he's resting under a broom tree. That's the way so many of us feel in this season. We are literally exhausted from our minds running all the time, trying to keep up on the news, trying to stay informed, trying not to be misinformed. And for some of us, we're, we're tired by just escaping, watching Netflix, Again, watching these TV shows, Facebook, Instagram, I mean, the amount of social media right now is just skyrocketing because we are exactly suffering with this exhaustion that's going on in the world. But if that's not enough, not only do we feel exhausted, we become discouraged. And that's the fifth thing that happens. We become hopeless. We become isolated. I mean, here's a guy all by himself. He is absolutely down. He's discouraged. You ever been that way? Maybe you're feeling that way now. I remember about three months ago, I was super discouraged. We had, church was just going awesome. We had a great service. And then the next day it comes out that we can't gather in groups of 50 or more. And then hours later, it was we can't gather in groups of 10 or more. And I thought, boy, what is happening? And I was frustrated and I was down and I was discouraged. And then I refocused on Jesus. Now, it took me a day. But I thought, God, we're, we're not just going to survive in this season. We're going to thrive in this season. And we've got a great team here, people that wanted to do things online and, and they did such a great job and started thinking about, okay, how can we do drive-in services? How can we do service on the lawn? How can we do baptisms, kids ministry? But there was a moment that I was discouraged, but all of that changed when I refocused on Jesus. But if we don't deal with our discouragement, what happens is it eventually leads to despair. And that's exactly where Elijah found himself. He said, God, I don't even want to live anymore. God, it's not, it's not worth living. Now, he knew one of the Ten Commandments was that we can't commit murder, including yourself. But he got to a point in his life where he's like, God, God, just take my life. And I love it because eventually Elijah doesn't die. He's one of the two people in the scriptures that's taken up to heaven. He's taken in a whirlwind, in a fiery chariot. And then in Genesis chapter 5, there's a guy named Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. But there was this time in his life where there was just so much despair. And he didn't even want to live anymore. And I always want to preach to the ideal, but speak to the real. And what I mean by that is, maybe you're watching online right now, and, and maybe that's you. Maybe you've never told anybody how low you truly are right now. Maybe it's coronavirus related. Maybe it's not, but you just don't, you don't feel like living anymore. Maybe you even have suicidal thoughts. Boy, if that's the case, I just want you to know that you are loved by God. You are loved by us as a church. Um, please call this number right here on the screen. We're going to put it on here and one of our staff will reach out to you and call you and minister to you and encourage you in a powerful way. 
But don't miss out on what happened to Elijah. Everything changed when he took his focus off Jesus. There was this spiral downward where he became discouraged and a person of despair. The question is, is how do we bounce back? How do we become encouraged again? How do we regain focus and find encouragement when we're tired? And I believe that there are four things that we need to do when we're discouraged, when we're down, so that we can regain focus and get encouragement. And the first thing that needs to happen is we need to rest in God's provision. That's point one in your notes. Rest in God's provision. I love this. Because what we're going to see is that God provides for every single one of Elijah's needs. Notice verse 5. This is what it says. It says, And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, and there was at his head a cake baked with hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came to him a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. I love this because the first thing that God does when it comes to providing for Elijah is he ministers to his physical needs. He basically feeds him and he tucks him in. That's one of the greatest things that we can do when we're tired is we can rest in God's provision. The opportunity to sleep, the opportunity to eat healthy food, to hydrate ourselves. And science will prove that when we are well rested, well hydrated, and we're eating healthy, Boy, that changes the way that we live. And of all of the food that God could have given Elijah, I think it's amazing that God gave him bread and gave him water. Why? Because Jesus himself called himself the bread of life. Jesus offers us living water. Jesus offered Elijah what he offers us. He offers us himself what will ultimately sustain us and satisfy us for the long term. Now in this encounter, don't miss this. It says that the angel of the Lord showed up, met Elijah exactly where he was. This angel of the Lord is, is Jesus himself. It's the pre-incarnate Christ. And I love that because when we're tired, when we're miserable, what does Jesus do? He always meets us where we're at, and he offers us himself, the bread of life, living water, and in Jesus Christ, we can find rest. Because we know what it's like when we're not well rested. We know what it's like when we're not eating healthy. Grandparents know this because they do this all the time, right? Parents, you drop your kids off at the grandparents' house and they have a sugar high, they don't eat dinner, they don't get sleep, and they're crazy. And what do grandparents call that? They call it payback, right? But everything changes when we rest in God's provision. And again, God provides for every single one of Elijah's needs. He provides for every single one of ours. But the first thing he does is says, I'm going to address your physical needs. You're going to sleep. You're going to eat. You're going to 
sleep and you're going to eat some more. And then I'm going to send you on this 40 day journey to Mount Horeb. It's the Mount Sinai. This is where Moses went. Now, it wouldn't have taken 40 days to get there, but God wanted him to take 40 days because it was symbolism. The Israelites wandered around in the desert for 40 years when they were disobedient to God. Here, God is taking Elijah on a 40-day journey so he can encounter God. But the first thing that we need to do is we need to rest in God's provision. And the first thing that God does is he meets Elijah's physical needs. The second thing that we need to do in your notes is, is we need to release our burdens to God. Release our burdens to God. And I love this because in this next passage of Scripture, God's going to ask Elijah a question and listen, even though he already knows the answer. And this is what it says, starting in verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. I love this. Because God simply asks Elijah a question he already knew the answer to. But what is he giving him an opportunity to do? To release his burdens to God. To cry out to God. To, to share with God what's weighing him down. To share with God what's on his chest. And God takes time and he, and he listens even though... Elijah is off and is thinking he's not really the only one that's still left. But the greatest need that Elijah had was a personal encounter with God. Notice what happens next in verse 11. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. I love that. Elijah maybe thought that God would be in the fire, in the wind, in the earthquake. The same way that several years earlier... A long time earlier, God appeared to Moses on the same mountain to give him the Ten Commandments. How did God make himself known through the wind, through the earthquake, through the fire? But this time to Elijah, how does he make himself known? It's through the still small voice. Some translations say it's a gentle whisper. You ever want to get somebody's attention? Try just, just whispering. Now, if you do that in public to somebody you don't know, you may get arrested. But here's the reality. You're going to get their attention. Why? Because you're communicating to them in a way that they least expect it. And that's exactly what God does to Elijah. He has his attention. And now what does he do? 
he asks them the same question again, and he hears the same response. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel, forsaking your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Same question, same response. But what does God do? He gives Elijah the same opportunity that he gives every single one of us to release our burdens to God. So I ask you, what's, what's weighing you down today? What, what's, what's burdening you today that you need to just turn over to God? You know, it was, uh, recently, I, I was frustrated inside. I, I didn't handle some situations with my kids uh, well in an evening, and I felt really bad. I apologized to them, but I ended up just calling up my brother. And I called my brother and said, hey, I, I just would love some prayer. I wasn't patient with my kids um, in the way that I treated them, in the way that I talked to them. Can you just pray for me? And so he listened to me, um, but it wasn't the same way that God listens. Why? Because when God listens to us, he already knows what we're going to say. And my brother listened to me. He prayed for me. He pointed me towards the future and said, God, I just pray for Jeremy. I pray that he would be patient in the future. And I love that because that's what God's going to do for Elijah in this moment. He listens, but he's going to give him a vision for the future. He's going to strengthen him for the future. Now, my brother couldn't strengthen me. He could pray for me, but he doesn't strengthen me the way that God does. So after releasing our burdens to God, the third thing that we need to do in our notes is simply receive God's word and God's direction. So we, we've, we're resting in God's provision. We're, we're releasing our burdens. But now God has something to say to Elijah. And it's time for Elijah to receive God's word and God's direction. Notice what he says to him in verse 15. It says, And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael, king of Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and anoint to be king over Israel, Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah. And you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And to the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. I love that because as we receive God's word and God's direction, what does God do? He ministers to our spiritual need. He gives us a renewed vision, a renewed purpose, the willingness to, to focus on the future. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to have you anoint these people as, as kings. But I've got Elisha that's going to take your place. In other words, your ministry is not going to come to an end. But Elijah, you've got to be ready to receive my word in my direction. 
And I, I absolutely love that because that's the case for every single one of us today. What would it look like for you to be ready to receive God's word and God's direction? When I was playing college basketball, we had an amazing point guard and he would pass me the ball very quickly um, all the time when I was under the basket and he told me, hey, Jeremy, always be ready. Well, there was this one time before the game we were warming up and he did a no look pass to me and it hit me right in the face. And I was embarrassed and my face was red. And I got to tell you, never again did I walk around with my hands down. I always had them up ready to receive the ball. Chris Cager, I'm talking about you, brother. Uh, one of the best, man. But uh, I'll never forget that I had to get to a point in my life where I was always ready to receive what he was going to pass me. What, what would it look like for you to have a posture to receive what God wanted to give you. In fact, maybe in the best way that you know how, just put your hands out in just a moment of humility and say, God, I don't know what you want to do in and through me this season, what the direction you have for me. But I, I just want to, I want to receive, I want to be ready to receive your word in your direction in my life, whatever it is. And that's why it's so important that we worship together, hear God's word together, read our Bibles together, because God is constantly giving us direction so that we can be focused, what, not on the here and now, but on the future. What do we need to do? Knowing that God takes care of every single one of our needs. First of all, we need to rest in God's provision. Second of all, we need to we need to release our burdens to God. Thirdly, we need to receive God's word and God's direction, but it doesn't stop there. There's one last thing. Fourthly, we need to be people that respond to God's leading. That respond to God's leading. And this is what it says. After God says to Elijah, hey, you're not alone. There's 7,000 people that have not yet bowed down their knees to Baal. You're not alone. There's a ton of other people. What does Elijah do? He actually does what God puts on his heart. He actually does what God tells him to do. And I think this is what separates so many followers of Jesus. We can know what God wants us to do. It's another thing to respond and actually do it. And this is what happens at the end of chapter 19. It says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and broiled the flesh and the yokes of the oxen and gave them to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. I love this because what did Elijah do? Not only did he receive God's word and God's direction, but he was somebody that responded to what God asked him to do. He went out and he anointed Elisha. He went out and anointed the two other kings. What happened? God brought him this person, Elisha, that would be his helpmate, his encouragement. 
somebody that would lift his spirit knowing that, hey, I'm going to do ministry for a little reason in a little season. <sighs> um, I have... I absolutely love this because what does Elijah do? He responds to God's leading. He did exactly what God called him to do. Not only does he anoint Elisha, who would eventually take over his place so that the ministry would continue, he anoints two other kings. And Elisha, he strengthens him. Elisha encourages him. God brings him somebody into his life when he's tired, when he's miserable, when he's lonely to help him be the person that God wants him to be. And ultimately moves Elijah from a place of despair back to a place of encouragement. Who's somebody in your life that you could be an Elisha to? Where you are encouraging an Elijah. Where you are moving in a direction where you are encouraging Lifting because you recognize that somebody is in a season of being tired. Friends, if you're tired in this season, please know that you're not alone. Keep your focus on Jesus. Stay focused on the future. Believe that better days are ahead. But not only that, rest in God's provision knowing he's going to provide for every single one of your needs. Release your burdens to God. Receive God's word and God's direction, but respond forthly to God's leading and you will be blessed. Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we trust you and we thank you so much for who you are. God, we pray that you would be with us during this season. And for those that are tired, for those that are exhausted, God, ultimately, would we find our focus, our strength, and our rest in Jesus Christ. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Sorry for all the...